It's wonderful to see you in church tonight. All those regulars had come. It's great to see you, but for you here visiting or you're here for the first time, that's great. Hey, Steve, how are you? You've been here a few times, haven't you? Once. <laughs> so we want to let you know what's happening in the life of our church. So I'm going to get Kerry to come up here and just let you know what's happening. Good evening. All right. First up, we have a smile is always a good thing. Welcome tonight. Brilliant. Hey, thanks, team. Well, great to have you here tonight. Welcome along to church. I just want to read a passage of scripture from Luke chapter 5 tonight, verses 17 to 26. Um, If you have uh, your Bibles there, please turn there, iPhone, iPad, whatever it may be. Please have a look at it. Luke chapter 5, 17 to 26, okay? It's a great story. Jesus was in this this story. And uh, verse 17 says, And it happened on a certain day, as Jesus was teaching, uh, there was Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men, uh, a man brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. It was four of them, actually, whom they sought to bring in and lay before Jesus. Verse 19, and when they couldn't find a way how they might bring him in because of the crowd in the house. The house was so crowded, they couldn't get him in the front door. So that didn't, uh, that didn't deter them. They went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the mist there before Jesus. And when, he, when they saw it, When Jesus saw their faith, talking about the men, he said to them, the man who was on the bed, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks this way? Because how can he forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he asked, he answered them and said to them, why are you reasoning your hearts? Which is it easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately the man rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house and he was glorifying God. And they're all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with reverence saying, we have seen strange things today. Um, we often read this story and we seek very clearly a couple of things that really impresses us. Number one, I'm really impressed by the four friends of the paralyzed man. When I read this story, always impressed. The reality is, is that they couldn't get through the front door with the paralyzed man on a stretcher. And they didn't say, well, uh, another day. Uh, it's not today. You're not going to get healed today. Uh, they didn't turn around and go home. No, they persisted. Went up the side of the house, obviously there was a staircase on the side, went up to the roof, removed some of the tiles, let him down exactly where Jesus was. I'm always impressed by that. Who wants friends like that? I reckon I like friends like that. The second thing that impresses me, that this man was healed. He was totally paralyzed. He was brought into that, was lowered down. He was totally paralyzed, couldn't walk, and yet he walked out. Not only walked out, picked up his own bed and walked out. So when he couldn't, he couldn't walk in minutes earlier, but now... 
You know, they wouldn't let him in because he was paralyzed. Uh, but when, uh, when he was healed, everybody made way for him to go out. They were pretty amazed. Um, I'm impressed by that. But you know what? That is not even the greatest miracle, I believe, that happened there in this particular story. Because I think the most incredible thing that happened in this story is something that we kind of just uh, kind of read over and we see the other things, but we don't see this thing. Because it's, um, it's quite easy uh, to see the reality of the healing. But sometimes we forget that Jesus said this. He said to this man, you know what? Your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. And you've got to understand the Jewish culture of the day. See, Jewish belief system was that if sins were to be forgiven, to way, the way to prove that they were forgiven was for some physical manifestation to happen. That's what they believed. That uh, the best way for, to see that sins are forgiven, it was some outer working in the life. And for this instant, Jesus, doesn't he just say, um, he said to the man who was paralyzed, um, and he, before he said that, he said, you know what? You know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive, talking to the Pharisees. He says, I'll show you. And he said, take up your bed and walk. And the, and the man did. And so we see uh, their belief system was that if you were really forgiven of your sin, you'd be healed. The trouble with that was there were some people who didn't need healing uh, and you couldn't uh, prove that their uh, sins were forgiven. That was, a, that was one of their problems. And of course, the reality is we know that uh, salvation and sins forgiven, it's an inward work um, more than an outward work, isn't it? It's something that happens in our heart. So um, the truth is we don't know whether this man's paralysis was caused by sin, but Jesus used it to prove that he can forgive sin and he heals the man. And that's pretty amazing. And we see the Pharisees then they couldn't question Jesus anymore because there was physical evidence that something incredible had happened in this man's life. Uh, healing uh, had happened, his faith, of his faith of the men who brought him. Uh, but you know, as I said, one of the best and wonderful miracles, a greater principle that was unfolding was that Jesus forgave sins. And you know, as he, as he forgave the sin, uh, the reality was he was showing his divinity. Or in other words, he was showing that he was just not a man. He was the son of God. In actual fact, he was God through the healing of, and the forgiving of sins. And uh, the Pharisees didn't want to believe it, but they had to when this man walked out whole and healthy. So I just want to take the moment uh, out of this passage. I just want us for a second uh, just to look at the realities of this thing that sometimes we can pass over so glibly and easily, and that is sin. Because it's a pretty major, major subject in the New Testament, actually right throughout the Bible. And because we know the greater work of God is always to deal with the heart of man. And the outward work of the body is, is, you know, it's a close second sometimes, I think. But I think God always wants to deal with the inner man before he deals with the outer man so often. So if we were to look at verse 20, it just says there, Jesus said, he says, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. And the word sin is, sins are very interesting terminology in the original Hebrew. It literally means this. It means to miss the mark. It really, you know, that's what Jesus said. You know what, um, buddy? Somewhere in your life, you've missed the mark. It's like, a, um, it's like a, a person with a bow and arrow, and they pull the arrow back, pointing at a target, and the arrow, and they let it go, and the arrow falls short of the target. And Jesus says, that's what your sin's like. You've missed the mark. But you know what? My forgiveness will help you hit the mark. I'll forgive you. And, and we even see in Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned, and what? 
fallen short, doesn't it? It's the exact same thought that Jesus said to this man. You've fallen short of my best for you. God's best for you. And that's what he was saying to this man. I forgive you for that. I forgive you for that. And you know, there's probably not one of us here tonight. The reality is, is that we haven't, we've all fallen short at some time in our life. So oh, I didn't, didn't quite get to the, where I really wanted to go in life. I've kind of missed the mark. I want to tell you that we have a God that's merciful and gracious. And with this paralyzed man, he said, you've missed the mark. But you know what? I'm willing to forgive you for that. Come on, take up your bed, get out there and live life. Don't go back to your sin in a sense and hit the mark. You can hit the mark from now on. So we, 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 what does sin really do? What does sin really do in our lives? And as we look at these verses and this passage, you'll see clearly. And um, if we just look at verse 20 of Luke chapter 5, what we read there, it said, when he saw their faith, when Jesus saw whose faith, he saw the four men um, leaning over through the hole in the roof. When he saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. And you know, the truth is, is if, if there's one thing that sin does, See, see, Jesus didn't deal with his physical body. He dealt with it first. He dealt with his inner man first. He dealt with the heart of man. And you know that God wants to deal with all of our hearts first. That's what he wants to do. And if there's one thing that sin wants to do, it wants to cripple the inner person of our lives, doesn't it? It wants to cripple us. Just doing just the stuff that really um, is not right, not good, not correct. And um, see, this man, a man was paralyzed. Uh, and Jesus doesn't address the issue of, um, um, Jesus addresses the issue of sin, I should say, in his life, long before he heals him of his physical needs. And, and the reality is God wants to minister to the whole person. He wants us to be whole in body, and, but also in mind and soul as well. And I, I love the, the fact that, you know, the truth is, it's no good healing a person sometimes if their sin is going to lead them back into ill health. Would you agree? Um, and, and, and Jesus wanted to address that inner person before we address the outer. I'm not saying all ill health is because of sin, okay? But, you know, we, we, we know that if we're not going to give up some of the things we're doing, uh, maybe six months down the track, this man could be back <laughs> saying, I'm not paralyzed anymore, Jesus, but, you know, I've got this problem and this problem and this problem. And, and he says, well, you know, address the sin in your life and you mightn't have all those physical, those problems to deal with. So, so true sin cripples the person just as sickness cripples the body. And uh, sin cripples a person's ability to experience true fulfilling joy and hope and love and peace. Sin hinders relationships uh, from being healthy. It destroys our values. It destroys our morals. It destroys our self-esteem, our identity. It takes the very joy of life and it squeezes it till there's just none left. Um, it robs us of peace and hope. It messes up the meaning of true and sincere love in our lives. Sin does all of that. And Jesus wanted to address that in the man's life. I think he continually wants to address that in our life because he wants us, as I even mentioned this morning, if there's one thing that he wants us to walk in, he wants us to walk in his blessing. And I know that living right allows us to do that, walk in his blessing and his goodness. But of course, we walk in our unrighteous ways. What follows us is trouble and heartache and struggle. Um, so Jesus addresses that with this man first and foremost. You know, I was reading a wonderful story. A young man approached a minister. He, he, this young man wasn't a believer in Jesus Christ. And he said, you people say that unsaved people have a weight of sin on their lives. And he was quite cheeky. And he said, he said, I feel nothing. I don't feel any weight. 
How much does this weight of sin weigh? Is it 10 kilograms? Is it 100 kilograms? The minister didn't kind of give in to his taunts, but he just politely said, that's a good question, young man. He says, but let me answer it with another question. If I put a 400 kilogram weight on a corpse, on a dead body, would they feel it? The young man says, of course they wouldn't feel the 400 uh, 400 kilogram weight. They're dead. They wouldn't feel anything. And the minister said, you know what exactly? The spirit of a man is dead too when they feel no load of sin. And um, it's the reality, isn't it? Uh, You know, uh, sin wants to cripple out in a person. It wants to put, and and if we don't feel the weight of it, you know, because there's a thing that God, God given thing called conscience. It's that little voice that speaks into our taps us on the shoulder and says to us, you know what, if you continue to do that, it'll destroy your life. Don't go down that path. Don't do that. Don't do this. And, and if we no longer, uh, the Bible says, um, hear that voice or feel that conscience, um, the Bible says it can be seared. It's like running a hot iron up your arm so that eventually, if you do it long enough, you don't feel it anymore because all the nerves have been destroyed. And so the, 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 you know, the, the sin continually can work away at us and destroy that conscious, that, that God-given Holy Spirit voice in our heart just saying, don't go there, don't do this. And you know what God says? If you don't feel the weight of some of these things, maybe it's because your inner man is just a little bit dead. It's just died to some of this stuff. And so we've got to be aware that that's what sin does, and it's a destructive thing. But I mean, uh, another thing that I find what sin really does to us is uh, we see in this passage, it says in verse, uh, verse 21, and the scribes of the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks this blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Okay, who can forgive sin? And the religious leaders were upset with Jesus because he claimed to be able to forgive sin. And they, and they said, only God can forgive sin. And, and if Jesus, he didn't state it, but he could have said, exactly, it's because I'm God. I'm God as much as my, I'm, I, God, my heavenly father has given me the power to be what he is on this earth and represent him. And I have the power to forgive sin. And Jesus was saying, let me take. And you know, whenever we, 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 we see this situation, um, sin, what it does is it sets up a wall between us and God. It separates us from God. And I'm very mindful. Uh, this is the second thought. It separates us from God. And I'm very mindful in this story that, you know, as they tried to push through with the stretcher and the paralyzed man on the stretcher, the crowd wouldn't let them in. You know, they didn't turn away and say, another day. Uh, we'll forget about it today, another day uh, when the crowd isn't so big. No, they pushed through because at that very moment between them and Jesus Christ, there was a wall of separation. But they went up on the roof and there was another wall of separation. It was called the roof. They got rid of the roof, created a hole and they dropped the, the paralyzed man down. And you know what? The sin will separate us like that. It'll keep us from having all that God wants us to have. Uh, and it's not God who sets it up. It's us who sometimes sets, us, sets up this separation between us and God. And uh, it's interesting uh, that in Genesis, Adam, it says, walked with God. And uh, as he walked with God, and it says he often used to do that in the cool of the evening, he had a face-to-face relationship with God. But of course, Adam one day listened to his wife a little bit more than he should have. Uh, and uh, of course, they ate of the fruit that was the tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil. And they shouldn't have. That was a disobedience and that was forbidden. And straight away, God comes back in the afternoon to walk with Adam and Eve. And he can't find them. And he says, where are you, Adam? And 
Adam is basically hiding. He says, why are you hiding? He says, I'm naked. And then God knows they've eaten, they've been disobedient, eaten of that fruit. And notice it says here, the very first thing that sin causes Adam um, is it causes him to want to separate himself from God. It's the truth, isn't it? To separate himself. I don't want to be seen by God. I don't want to know God. And prior to this, he was enjoying a great relationship. But unfortunately, that's what our sin and our failings do. And, um, and you know what? Sin has been doing that ever since. It's been separating us. For Adam and Eve, their newly gained awareness didn't bring them the promised knowledge of good and evil at all. It just made them embarrassed about their nakedness. And you know what? God doesn't want you to walk around as a Christian embarrassed about your relationship with him. And sometimes I think we are. Sadly, am I willing to state who I believe and and what I'm about? And I would say, you know, he he would just call you tonight and he'd say, come on. Just return to me. Get rid of that wall of separation. So there's no embarrassment about your faith with me. Uh, what about we walk together again? And, uh, and I think God just would call us again. He said, come on, come on, walk with me. Don't be separated by all these things that want to hold it, um, come between us. Um, and the truth is, he, always know, he knows about us anyway. We can never really hide from God. Uh, and uh, it's just that we try to hide from God. He knows all about us. He knows what we're up to. Uh, but we need to walk with an open heart and a transparency before him so that we know that, that we're doing our best to let uh, God in on our lives. So not only do we see that uh, the reality of what's in, it cripples the inside person and it separates us. But here's the good news. I love this, this bit. It's an opportunity for amazing grace. Because in the, this verse 26 of Luke chapter 5, it said, They were amazed and they glorified God and were filled with great wonder and awe. They were amazed. They were amazed what God could do, what Jesus done that day. Forgave this man for his sin, healed him of his paralysis. I mean, the guy walked in, totally couldn't walk. He walked out. He walked out. He didn't walk in. He was brought in and then he walked out. What an amazing, amazing miracle. In Romans chapter 5.20, it says this, where sin abounds, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Grace abounds much more. Where our sin um, nature abounds, and that is where we're involved in things that aren't right, God says grace abounds even more. Even more. God has, God has one up on our sinful nature. Uh, more sin, more forgiveness. I love that. More evil, more good. More hurt, more love. I love that. I think God is the master of the counterpunch. And he always wins when we yield our life to him. Something has got to leave our lives and that's our old lifestyles. You know, so I just think the amazing, amazing grace of God. And you know, we wouldn't be here. We can't take it for granted. If it wasn't for his amazing love, his amazing forgiveness, and his amazing mercy that he's shown towards us. Um, uh, There's a a wonderful uh, story. It's a true story that became a hit song in 1973. Um, You know, probably most of us would remember it. And if you were were born after 1973, maybe you've heard of it. But the story goes like this. Um, The story unfolds this way. There was a young woman, a young lady, who had a very unfair thing happen to her. Uh, the unfair thing was her husband was a worked for a financial firm, a large financial firm in America. And, uh, and in his time working for this financial firm, he, um, he uh, stole money 
from the firm. He cooked the book, so to speak. He, he, he thought he was going to get away with it. Unfortunately, he was found out. And he, uh, to her personally and her family, it was a huge embarrassment what this, um, this young husband did. He was put in jail for three years, three years uh, for, for his crimes. And the wife and his family had to continue to live in a town about the size of this town, actually, with the stigma of what of his crimes. You can imagine, she couldn't move anywhere, wife and kids. So she continued to live in this city or this town. And every day she was faced with the reality of what her husband had done wrong as she saw people and, and uh, can, you know, was in the community. So three years later down the track, three long years, he is finally released from prison and he's thinking about coming home. And he's just wondering, he's just wondering whether his wife would really love him. Now they had some communication, but it, it had been a bit, um, a, bit, a bit of a trial. And he was just wondering whether she still had a heart that was there for him, a place for him again in her heart. And he knew he couldn't blame her if she never wanted anything else to do with him ever again. But, she just had to, but he just had to write her a letter. And this letter started this way. Tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. It's been three long years. Do you still want me? If I don't see a ribbon around that old oak tree, I'll stay on the bus and I'll forget about us. And you can put the blame on me if I don't see a ribbon around the old oak tree. You see, in the middle of their town, there was an oak tree in the main street. And he knew that uh, he had to pass that oak tree. And, uh, and he wanted to know if there was any chance of them having a future together. And so just one ribbon around the tree would be an indication that there was a flicker of hope for their relationship and their marriage to continue. Some love that maybe she had, some willingness to forgive him. And so uh, could there, would there be a chance? And so he sends the letter, he buys the ticket, he jumps on the bus and the day comes and he's, the bus is getting closer and closer to the town. And you know what? We see this is a true story. This is how it happened. Uh, and, what, you know, and it's a true story and it, and it made for a great song because it was a, a hit in 1973. And it's the sort of thing that we all seek in life. That's the reality. We all seek that there would be forgiveness for us, that there would be a chance of a new beginning, that there'd be a hope for the future. And it's what God calls grace. God calls grace. And we all want to be forgiven sometimes in our lives, especially when we've blown it, we've failed it, and we want to know there's forgiveness and some element uh, of God's love that's for us. And so uh, he's on the bus. He's... Uh, He's about to turn the corner into the main street of town and, the, and where the old oak tree is. And uh, he knows whether he's going to be staying on the bus or, or not staying, you know, or getting off the bus. And he's so nervous to look because these next moments will determine his whole future. So he says to the bus driver, have a look for me. And the song goes like this, bus driver, please look for me. I couldn't bear to see what I might see. I'm really still in prison and my love, she holds the key. A single yellow ribbon is all I need to set me free. Will she? Won't she? He doesn't know. He doesn't know his future is dependent on what happens in the next few moments. And this is how the song ends. And this is how the story unfolds. Now the whole bus is cheering and I can't believe what I see. A hundred yellow ribbons round the old oak tree. And in terms of what God thinks of you and me, one yellow ribbon would have been enough, wouldn't it? Just one, just one. But you know what? Uh, God gives you a hundred yellow ribbons. And he looks at your life 
And he says, I want to be extravagant in my love and my grace for you. And I think that's a powerful thought. I think that's what God shows and proves to us. He proves that by giving his best for us. And his best was his very son, Jesus Christ. That when he died on a cross, uh, just over 2,000 years ago, he gave his life, he shed his blood. And he said, you know what? You can be forgiven. Uh, My blood once and for all. Once and for all. No more sacrifices. No more priestly uh, you know, um, ceremonies of killing animals and for the forgiveness of sins. I'll do it once and for all. He gave his best. And you know, it was like a hundred yellow ribbons around an old oak tree. And it's the type of grace that has extended to us. It's just not one, it's a hundred. And you would and you know you could say that that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing because it is. That's why it's called amazing grace. Can we just stand tonight? Can we just consider tonight where we stand? Would we consider tonight where we stand, not just stand in this world, but stand in relation to God and in our lives? Because sin wants to cripple us. Sin wants to separate us from God. But you know what? It's an opportunity for amazing, amazing grace. And His love and His hand extends to us. And he says, hey, you know, all it takes is just a prayer and a, and a, and a re- response to me. And, you know, maybe you're here tonight and you've never, never responded to Jesus Christ. Never responded to him. You actually maybe even kind of half believe. or you're not quite sure what you believe. But you know what? God would just call unto you and say, come on, come on, come on. Receive me tonight because my hand is extended. My, uh, your are Past can be exactly that, past, final, finished, and your future can be assured in me. We need a friend like Jesus Christ in our lives because he looks at our past and says, I've forgiven and forget. And he sees us as we, he wants to see us for our future, not how, what our past holds on to us. And tonight he would say, hey, would you accept me as your Lord and your Savior? And I want to just challenge you tonight. If that's you tonight, you say, yes, I want to accept Jesus Christ in my life. If that's you tonight, maybe you're here and you've done it before, but you know that you're just not living like you should be living. You're not living right. And you say, I need to again come back to God and just turn away, repent and say yes to Jesus. I want you just to do something because I just want to pray for those who would lift their hands up tonight and say yes to Jesus. Maybe for the very first time or maybe again, maybe again. If there's anybody, could you just indicate to me? I'd just love to see your hand so we could just pray. Saying yes to Jesus Christ. Is there anybody tonight in that category saying, yeah, come on. Maybe you're here as a Christian tonight and you just need to say, man, I just need to, you know, build, bring down that wall of separation between me and God. I just need to say, yes, God, I need your strength. Maybe there's someone like that tonight. I just need more of him in my life. I need just to get, get a bit serious about my Christian faith and my Christian walk and stop mucking around, living my, my life, living in regret or living in, in, you know, saying it's someone else's fault when really we've got to take responsibility ourselves. Anybody to know. We're good? Fantastic. All good. Well, let me just pray anyway for us. Father, tonight I thank you for every person here tonight. And you know what? You know all of our hearts. Isn't it incredible that you see us all? That's amazing. 
And Father, you continue to extend your hands of love and truth to us. And I thank you for that. I thank you for your love, your promise for us that you never leave us, never forsake us. And I just pray for your people tonight that we would be vessels for your good use. That we'd be, Father, um, Father, just committed uh, to all that you're, you're committed to us. Help us to be committed to you. Father, to be your people in our workplace, in every aspect of, of where we live, we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Come on, how about we just sing this song one more time tonight, declare his goodness. We can have the team, that'd be great. Thank you, Lord. Good. 